Welcome to season four of Invested in Our New Reality. We started this podcast at the beginning of the pandemic to give Ottawa's business community a place to speak candidly about the challenges and opportunities they faced during these unprecedented times. And boy, have they delivered. Not only have business leaders from a wide variety of sectors shared lessons learned, but they've offered practical advice on how to innovate and thrive in the future. Things we all need to hear right now. My name is Siobhan Haskell-McIntosh, and I'm the Diversity and Belonging Lead at Shopify. I'm a board member at Invest Ottawa, and I'm really glad to have you with us as we explore the path forward for business and industry at this transformative point in history. So let's get started. On today's episode, we're talking with Kevin Bourne, editor of Shifter Magazine, where he's been developing custom content focusing on music, lifestyle, and culture targeted at the Black and urban community. Kevin is also a content and brand marketing specialist, as well as an ambassador for Digital Main Street, a program which supports entrepreneurs as they sell online and build a future-proof business. And we're thrilled to have you here, Kevin. Welcome to Invested in Our New Reality. Thank you for having me. No problem. So I'm going to get right into the question. So Music, lifestyle, and culture have all been impacted by COVID-19. How has the pandemic changed the landscape for people working in these fields? And like, how much do you feel is permanently changed? Well, the big thing with music is obviously uh, performances aren't happening. And so, um, you know, performances have had to, to go virtual, which has affected uh, not just artists, but even people who are uh, involved in production in any capacity on the technical side as well. Obviously, there's not as much... Um, work out there and yeah not a lot of performances and in touring and performing is a big way that you know artists make income and so uh, for a lot of artists it's been uh, very difficult to you know to sustain kind of their careers um, and also it's, it's changed the way that uh, music is promoted uh, because obviously you know press runs are very important like you know people being able to go out and do interviews um, they, they are they are, they have gone virtual so people you know do um, kind of go out and, and somehow try to make the rounds on, on whether it's on uh, Zoom interviews and and whatnot. But yeah, it's, it's still it's still a little bit different. Like actually promoting, even when you see the film industry, you know, they're not able to promote to promote films the same way that they, they would before. Like again, doing the press runs and whatnot. Um, a lot of films are going straight to streaming services instead of um, going to movie theaters. So yeah, everything is really just kind of going virtual. Um, even in the fashion industry, uh, there's a lot of fashion designers that are doing um, kind of pre-recorded runway shows and, and whatnot. So it's really, um, I think this whole the pandemic in general has accelerated, um, especially Canada. I think Canada was kind of late to the whole virtual thing, like uh, kind of going online. So I feel like in Canada, it's really kind of expedited everything across the board kind of going online. And and I don't think the industry has really, you know, ha- hasn't really fully adapted to to the online the online reality. Uh, when it comes to just culture in general, though, I think uh, if, for content creators, it's been a great time mm-hmm. uh, just because people are at home and people, people have time to consume content in a way that they haven't before. Like even for us at, at Shifter, um, like our, all of our stats, you know, look at our back end of our website, like all of our stats have gone up like through the roof yeah. just because people are now reading, people are taking time to actually consume content. So um, in that regard, as a content creator, whether it's video content, written content, I think it's been great for a lot of people is because people need a diversion. They need um, a way to escape. So that's kind of 
been good for content creators. Uh, when it comes to how, how permanent it is, I do think that um, I do think that the whole online kind of migration to online, the, there's certain aspects of that I think they're going to be permanent. Um, even when it comes to doing press runs, I think it's now more uh, productive to do online press runs. You know, like how how productive is it to to fly an uh, a, an actor or an artist all over the world to promote something when like we've been on like we like during the pandemic we were on a uh, press run for Kevin Hart's latest book, uh, his online book there, and so yeah, we got a chance to just be you know in a, a panel with a bunch of journalists with Kevin Hart and, and we got a chance to ask him questions about his book, um, and before that would never like that would have never happened before. Like we were never invited to Kevin Hart press runs <laughs> before. Yeah. Whereas yeah. now um, we're, we're, getting out and get, we're now getting invited to those kinds of things. And, and for him, like he, he doesn't have to, again, doesn't have to fly all over the world. He could sit there. He literally was, was at his house in a hoodie mm-hmm. and they're just kind of cycling in journalists, um, groups of journalists. And I'm like, that makes so much sense. Like yeah. why were why weren't we doing that before? You know? Um, and same thing for us with shifters. Like we've been interviewing more people interviewing people from like further like further away outside of ottawa and even for me i'm like man like why wasn't i doing this before like you know so i think that like i think the whole adopting of of online has just made the world feel even 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 despite the fact that we're distancing i feel like just with the whole virtual aspect i feel like um the world feels a lot smaller now Absolutely. And I feel like, you know, accessibility is, you know, some of those limitations are addressed through this like online world. And I even think of just like the fiscal, you know, investment that, you know, these companies who would go on press tours, like the amount of money they're saving and how they can reallocate some of those resources. I'm sure that they're seeing some of those cost savings from, from that perspective. Definitely. Okay. So, the pandemic, it clearly has hit some members of society harder than others. We talk about the impact or the disproportionate impact the pandemic has had for folks from racialized communities and, you know, socioeconomics, that's definitely a part of it. So how do you think the Ottawa business community can help ensure that the recovery is going to be equitable and inclusive of all folks? Um, I think, well, part of it is just I mean, being mindful uh, and 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 understanding that uh, business business looks different to so many different people. I think specifically with Ottawa, you know, we tend we tend to when we think about business, we tend to just think tech. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's being mindful of the fact that business is you know businesses, restaurants like business is uh, family businesses like you know it's black owned, it's Lebanese owned, it's all these different things. And I think with within different business clusters, we tend to stick to our own. And so we'll tend to, you know, black people may shop with black people and, you know, Asian people may, may choose to sh- shop with Asian people and, and um, you know, same thing with, with white people. And I think it's, it's important now to get out of kind of our own, if, if we want to really talk about being diverse and inclusive, it's, it's getting out of the comfort of our own circles and seeing what's available out there, even when it comes to suppliers. Like you may have, you may have a supplier that you've used for the past 15 years that looks like you, but it's like, are they even the best person for that particular, as a supplier? Like, you know, the person who may be the best supplier may be an Asian individual that has a small business and not necessarily a large, you know, a large firm, or it could be, you know, it could be any kind of person, right? So I think even just um, 
daring to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to necessarily, I mean, I may choose to look outside of my immediate circle and the people that look like me to find suppliers. And, and the reality is, I, I do think a lot of the capital that's out there is in white communities. And I think we need it. Like we, like other other ethnic communities need that. Like we deserve an opportunity to compete. It's not to say you have to use a black business or you have to use an Asian business or you have to, but by any means, like you're, if, if you're a company, you should use who, whoever the best fit is. But I think it's being cognizant of the fact that the person who may be the best fit may not be someone that looks like you. It may not be that person you've been using for a long time. So I think it's just opening our eyes to doing, like really if you want to be like a real global kind of economy and and be diverse it's like we have to be able to look outside of our own immediate circles uh, and choose to work with different people and truly allow people to compete for for business based on the merit of their work and not necessarily um yeah and also i think it's also reassessing like what is professional so mm-hmm. i think so a lot of times we see you know even for my wife and i we're talking and we we are saying to ourselves as black people it's like we always assume that middle-aged white guy in a suit is is professional. Like that is professional, and it it may not be like you know a, a person wearing traditional African garb that it, that is considered professional back home in Africa it is professional, you know, and whatnot. You know, me, I t- I don't wear a lot of suits anymore, but you know, I tend to w- wear hoodies and jeans. But I'm like, I'm still very, you know, I'm still very professional, right? So I think a lot of those. Uh, stereotypes of what is professional and what is not and who is the best person for the job. I think we need to kind of get rid of our preconceived stereotypes and notions and and just kind of open the field to allow different kinds of people to uh, to compete for business and and whatnot. So yeah, no, that's definitely it, which is just like the power of where we spend our money, expanding that more broadly to yeah. that are might be like, you know, are in your immediate network or the businesses that you've traditionally always supported and like seeking intentionally seeking out other, you know, and then, like you said, I love that idea of like from a supplier perspective, mm-hmm. which is just like, challenge yourself to go out there and find out other options. And like you said, it's not about just going with another business because mm-hmm. they are from a certain community. It's like, but it's also like educating yourself about what's out yeah, there. Exactly. And also just in, in being open to different perspectives, right? Cause people, people that don't look like you will have a different, may have a different perspective and that perspective could be a huge asset for your, for your company. Like even for Ottawa, it's like, you know, there's like a traditional Ottawa, like the Ottawa, the I, I'm kind of in the middle now because I've, 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 I deal a lot now with more corporate people and, you know, this very artistic young crowd and I'm mm-hmm. kind of seeing both, both sides of it, but they don't typically, they don't typically uh, interact at all, you know? And I think there's value there's value in in those two worlds beginning to um, touch a little bit and kind of just mix a little bit, you know? Absolutely. It's that whole intergenerational conversation too, of yeah. just like, you know, being able to bring those two together a little bit more closely because the way that generations think it might be different, different perspectives. Yeah, exactly. It's just certain things. So. Yeah. And, and, and even just, uh, you know, the way that, that different groups see the city, like, I, you know, I went to an event um, during the pandemic at a winery in, in, out in, the, West, in the, the West End. And it was, it was mostly white people, pretty much all white people um, who were, you know, middle-aged in, in the tech world. And I was, I, was, I was there and I said, wow, like, these people are experiencing in Ottawa that 
these other people that I interact with don't even know exist. And these people have no idea about the Ottawa that I see over here. And it's like, these are two totally different worlds that do not, like two different groups that are experiencing the same city, but experiencing it in two totally different ways. And that's what, and I think that's why even when we talk about marketing the city, it's like, you realize that the city is being very marketed by a particular demographic for a demographic. But if they were even to tap in and say, hey, you young black guys over here, what do you, like help us help us market this city? I guarantee you, if they were to reach out to some of the young creatives that I deal with and say, hey, can you help us market this city? They would the, what 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 these guys come up with would like blow their minds. They yeah. wouldn't even be like, is this the same Ottawa that we're living in? Yeah. Right. And the, and there's value and and that and and that would attract a whole that would attract a whole other like demographic to Ottawa, just be, having the city being seen through these this whole other set of eyes instead of just, hey, there's Parliament Hill. Hey, there's tech. Hey, there's green space. It's a great place to raise a family. Like that's typically what we think about yeah. Ottawa, but we don't think exciting, but it's like these over here, we're experiencing an exciting yeah. side of the city that could really attract talent to the city and make it feel very dynamic and all that kind of stuff. So I think if we, if we dare to get outside of our own bubble, there's so much value that these different groups can add to each other. Absolutely. And also help attract a different type of entrepreneur who has different ideas about what business means and what business can look like and what it could feel like too, right? Mm -hmm. So the magazine you edit, Shifter, it's focused on the Black and urban community. Through that lens, can you talk to us about what February's Black History Month means to you from a personal vantage point? Um, You know, Black History Month is a a kind of, I don't don't say double-edged sword, but there's kind of like same, I think I think a lot of black people have a love hate relationship with black, with black History Month. <laughs> you know, it's like we we appreciate it, but yeah, I think there's increasingly this appetite among black people to say, "Hey, why do we only have a month?" Like that's just always been the case. Like, why do I, why do we always have a month? And I think after the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, the world has become increasingly aware of the black experience outside of February. Like, I have more, I've gotten more business from like traditional white corporation or companies than I did before. Even our audience at Shifter is a lot more white people who are just saying, hey, I want to support a black business. And so I've I've and I have appreciated it. Even when you go to IKEA and you're seeing like there was one day my wife and I went, went, went to IKEA and it was like pure black people. Every display had black people. It was like every screen it was like, oh there's a black couple buying a buying a table. Oh there's a you know and we were like man like we never used to see so much black displays and advertisements in IKEA. And I appreciate it. So I think, and I think that's what a lot of us have wanted. We just want to turn on the TV and see ourselves. We want to be able to turn on the, t- on the TV and see our stories being told. You know, we want to, uh, you know, what, what black accomplishments to be in the curriculum. So I think increasingly, especially over the past year, I'm kind of like, yeah, I, again, I appreciate Black History Month. But I would rather, if I had to choose between Black History Month and just having like total integration in society, I would choose total integration. Like we, we have a month because the other 11 months of the year, we, we've done a terrible job as a society. If we were doing a real good job of integration, Black History Month wouldn't be needed, right? And so it's kind of like, that's just a, a space to at least say, hey, let's do the bare minimum at least this one month of the, of the year. But I'd rather just all year round you know, black people be integrated and inclusive and having, you know, just not, not just visible signs of inclusion, but economic inclusion as well. Like I would pick that over um, black history month. So to me, 
I think I've, I've, I've honestly started to celebrate Black History Month less and less every year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, just because, again, I think what I'm looking for is like the other 11 months of the year for, there, for us to have a sense of place. Yeah, for us to be celebrated, for us to, you know, experience equitable treatment, for us to be included and valued. Yeah. Right. Like, like I think for me, you know, 2020 was a year and I can only speak for myself, but, you know, working as a diversity and inclusion practitioner and then also being black myself and navigating some of the traumas that I was trying to navigate through as well. I was just like, for this black history month, like number Black History Month should be every month. And then, you know, for this Black History Month, I really want to focus on Black joy and Black success and Black, you know, I want to focus on that side of things. I want to normalize that, those types of images and that art culture, because as important it is to, of course, acknowledge inequities and injustices and the barriers that are faced by the Black community, it's also important to celebrate. Exactly. Exactly. And, And for me, it's like, I don't want to be just associated with struggle. It's like, yes, there's been historical struggle, slavery, civil rights movement and stuff, but it's like, we're more than just struggle. Like we're more than, and also I think for me, I also don't want to be treated as like a charity case either. You know what I'm saying? Like that, you know, I don't want to be a charity charity, charity case that we're, we're always in need of being helped. Um, and so, yeah, I think those positive images of, of the black experience and again, joy and all that celebration, like I think those are the, things that um, or even just the charting the way ahead like what is the future not, not just history but what does the future look like for us like, i think those are conversations that i think are important to have absolutely and and like just going deeper into the entrepreneurial side the the entrepreneurship side of things you know running a successful business is hard running a successful business through a pandemic is hard we know about again some of the disproportionate impacts covid has had on black businesses you know, in the Ottawa region, globally speaking, uh, when we talk about uh, like in the States, you know, 40% drop off rate for black entrepreneurs and entrepreneurship due to the pandemic. So, Mm. you know, based on like the conversations you're having, your experiences, what, what has been the experience of black business owners in the city, both, you know, positive, both gaps and barriers that they faced within the last year we're almost sitting mm-hmm. through the pandemic but like over the last year let's call yeah. it um i know for a lot of black business owners like i know like access to capital access to funding of any nature whether it's even applying for grants um i think that is something that is always a barrier um in, in talking to some other black business owners are saying that even some of the funds the way that we're fun, like where funds have been allocated they tend to be like broad like diversity funds or uh you know, or grants like diversity, it's, you know, there's never something that's really tailored to black people specifically. So, you know, once people have these di- organizations, have these diversity funds, they feel like, oh, we're doing it. But is it re- reaching, like when you think of diversity funds, that's women, that's disabled, that's indigenous, that's black, that's so all these different um, ethnic groups. And so even within some of those funds, like are the funds actually getting to black people specifically? So I know a lot of black entrepreneurs and creators have been asking for dedicated funds for black people just to make sure that it's actually getting um getting to us um i know also um especially in when it comes to like arts and culture uh, some of the entrepreneurs that have talked about just the difficulty in renting space yeah um because you know sometimes as soon as they see you like oh you're a young guy doing a hip-hop thing oh you know like we're not we're not gonna rent, we're not renting to you anymore 
you know, and that's that's happened to a few people in our community where it's just even finding a space to put on an event um, is a little bit is a little bit difficult. So there's that. And I think also broadly speaking, um, I think a lot of times as a black person, you always feel like you have to become a car- some kind of caricature of yourself in order to be accepted. So it's like, I got to make sure I talk a certain way. I got to make sure I, you know, and, and this is the first year I said, you know what, I'm not I'm not doing that. Like I changed my I changed my LinkedIn picture from uh, me in a suit to me in a T-shirt wearing a chain. <laughs> so it's just like, you know what, this is how I this is how I, I go to work every day. Like this is this is the space I operate in. So I'm like, this is professional to me. You know, I, I can wear a suit. I used to work on Parliament Hill. I can wear a suit if I want to. I can do that. I can walk the walk and talk the talk and stuff. But it's like, why do I have to become what's palatable to somebody else in order to be considered professional when the reality is, like, we are professional? And, and you know, a, a person, you know, I, I, you know, this may not be true, but it feels like, you know, say a, a white guy in tech can wear a T-shirt and jeans to the office and still be considered professional, but it's like, oh, as a black guy, you wear a t-shirt and jeans, all of a sudden it's like, oh, you look a little bit like a thug, you know, type of thing. So um, it just, feel, yeah, it does feel like, you know, we have to work hard just like, we have to work hard just to really come across as professional and to be considered serious when it comes to our, our when it comes to our craft. Um, so I think, I think those are some of the things, but at the same time, I've also seen a lot of change like over the past, like I've been pleased to see the amount of, um, effort that has gone into the in the what comes to the, the local black community. Like I've seen a lot of people, um, a lot of companies make effort um, and whatnot. I've seen some boards of directors make changes. Like I've gotten on a few boards just in the past year, just some people saying, "Hey, we want some diversity." So you know, mm-hmm. so I've seen those kind of things. But I also have seen other organizations that haven't made that effort as well. Um, and so on one side of the coin, there's some things locally where I've looked at and said, "Man, like I'm really encouraged by certain things." But then there's other aspects where I look at I'm like you know I'm not encouraged by that like and I just feel like there's there is a general momentum towards change in Ottawa but I still feel like there's some people who are digging their heels in trying to hold on to this like old idea of of Ottawa that is still very white and still very middle-aged and still very male and and whatnot so um, I think that's what we're kind of fighting against. Awesome. And I mean, talking again about entrepreneurship, you're a DMS ambassador, so Digital Main Street Ambassador, which is a project that's funded in part by the Government of Canada through the Federal Economic Development Agency for Southern Ontario. Got that out. And it has a laser focus on supporting entrepreneurs as they sell online and build a future-proof business. Um, Why is being a DMS ambassador important to you? And how did you become a DMS ambassador yourself? Um, well, first of all, I think it's uh, very important just because I think for a lot of people, the online world is scary. Um, I think a lot for a lot of people, it's just like it, it's overwhelming. If you're not a technical person or you just don't understand the online world, it can feel very overwhelming. And I think the program makes it a lot easier for people to kind of make that transition, especially in the midst of a pandemic where the whole world is going online. Yeah, it can be very uh, overwhelming for some people. So I think it takes a lot of the hard work out of making that transition to online and i also think that especially for korea like for creatives um, a lot of creative individuals which is a you know a little bit of part of my network you know for them understanding business is hard like like a lot of people who i, I deal with a lot of people that they'll make a film or they'll make a song or an album and then afterwards it's like well what do i do with it now yeah right so even the idea of how to market something online is is very hard for 
a lot of people, especially creative people. So even the fact that the program does have an arm of it that is uh, more geared towards just, you know, basically providing with a digital marketing team. Like, I think that's like, that's absolutely amazing. Like, again, it takes a lot of the the stress um, out of that for people, and specifically for me, just because I, you know, a big part of what I've been doing is trying to um, get not only artists and creatives, but, you know, black people hearing about the program, just because again, like, you know, with, with over the past year, there's been just increased conversations about black business and black excellence and black, uh, you know, black empowerment and economic inclusion. And I think just getting as many um, black entrepreneurs as possible um, online is a way to kind of, again, increase the amount of um, people in our community that are doing business and then, and um, yeah, and, and ultimately leading to some of that, like that economic inclusion. So that for me is uh, narrowing that gap is uh, very important for me. And how did I get in? How did I get involved? Like, I guess I've kind of, you know, on and off, on and off again, over the past years of kind of just, I guess, have orbited Invest Ottawa in some, in some way, or just we've kind of done a few things together here and there. So um, it was just something that it, it just kind of became a conversation. I think they, they reached out and uh, let me know that, that, you know, it was important for them to get a diverse audience um, into the program. And so, yeah, I just decided, you know, I, like, I wanted to kind of help and, and um, help, what, help when it came to more diversifying who was actually, you know, getting into the program. Absolutely. No, this is great. And I love that you touched on the idea of like the economic prosperity part of it, because it's just like, if you can create more businesses in the community and they can hire folks from the community, then it becomes mm-hmm. a filling circle of like, exactly up the community so that's great kevin it's been fantastic to talk to you today thank you for being here thank you for sharing your knowledge with us it's been a wonderful conversation thank you for having me no problem and thank you also to our terrific listeners for joining us for this first episode of the new season we hope you'll join us for future episodes of Invested in Our New Reality, where we'll be talking to other inspiring business leaders about the paths they're carving through turbulent times. All our episodes are available on the Invest Ottawa website, on Spotify, and on iTunes. And if you like what you hear, please share a link with your followers. The more, the merrier. For now, I'm Siobhan Hassel-McIntosh. Stay strong, stay healthy, and stay safe.